Hello, and welcome back to the Chris Yeh Podcast. I am, as always, Chris Yeh. In today's episode, you'll be hearing me and Scott Johnson of Blitzscaling Ventures discuss the blitzscalability of venture capital deals for February 2021. Enjoy. Hello, it's Chris Yeh of Blitzscaling Ventures, and I'm joined today by my partner, Scott Johnson, and we're going to be talking about Blitzscalable Venture Deals for the month of March 2021. Welcome, Scott. Great to be here, Chris. I always enjoy doing this with you, and these are deals that were announced in the month of March. They could have happened prior to that, but the announcement came in March, and so that's how they make this list. And we had quite a few deals this year, 130, sorry, 142 deals. Sorry, not this year, this month. And that's, uh, that's more than our usual 100. And so we also ended up selecting five, which is more than our usual one, two, or three. So again, like last month, we had a lot. This month, we have a lot. It seems like the top tier investors that we follow are very busy in Q1 and and, then carrying that into Q2. Well, while it's extra work for us, it's also great news because that means more great companies that we could invest in. Yeah, that's that's the idea. We're we're excited about these. So we're going to start with a company called Chums, C-H-U-M-S, that's chums.co. For those of you who want to look it up on the web, they did a seed round from Bessemer, three and a half million. And they're in New York, and it's a simple description for this company, Shop Online Together. Chris, you want to talk about sort of the evolution of Shop Online Togetherness? Absolutely. So this is an absolutely fascinating one because the concept of online shopping together has been around for quite some time. Both you and I remember the dot-com boom when there were two major group shopping or group buying applications, a company and Mercata that sprang up. A company famously perhaps the worst name for a startup of all time. What did you just invest in? A company. Which company? (laughs) A company. It's like a terrible who's on first. Who's on first, yeah. Now, neither of those succeeded. And that's because the world was very different then. There was less e-commerce, fewer people were connected, people still didn't have the same level of trust online. Now, what has changed? Well, let's not forget there were no mobile phones. And there were no mobile phones. You know, you didn't always have the internet in your pocket. So what's changed since then is that group buying has gone through a couple of waves. Let's not forget Groupon in the mid 2000s, which was about group buying in the form of coupons. Very successful at first, but famously, as we like to describe it, did not have good product market fit for either consumer or merchant. And as a result has largely flailed since then. But there has been an extremely successful example that has paved the way for things like chums, and that's Pinduoduo over in China. Pinduoduo over in China has taken group buying and created a $100 billion plus market cap business based on this. And as a result of the success in China, I think we're now coming around and saying, well, hey, if Pinduoduo worked, can we create a company that will actually do the same thing in the United States? And that's where Chums comes in. Well, Bessemer seems to think so, in addition, of course, to the founders of Chums. And we scored it high. Let's let's go through the scoring. As you remember, we have a 100-point scale, and anything above 80 is blitz-scalable. And this one scores, I'm just going to do the reveal, is this one scores 93. So how the heck do they score 93? That's an exceptional score, usually reserved just for social networks. Does this sort of remind you of a social network, Chris? 
there are a lot of characteristics that are like a social network. If you think about it, if you have group buying, the organization or the company that has the most buyers is going to be the dominant one. So it's winner take most. People are bringing on their friends because as you get more people, the deals get better. So there's strong viral growth. The market size is enormous because it's e-commerce. The gross margin is incredible because you're going ahead and just selling and buying things and you can set the prices you see fit. The scalability of the organization and the operations are also very good. Again, these are all things that have been solved and that leaves that one factor, product market fit. And that factor of product market fit is something you can see played out throughout history. The companies like a company in Mercata probably also would have scored very well. Groupon also would have scored very well on almost all things. But the big question is, will they achieve product market fit? Now, the reason they have a 93 is we scored them as a perfect 10 on everything except for product market fit. There we gave them a seven out of 10, which is provisional. Again, we really need to get in touch with the CEO and understand what they're building and understand the dynamics of the users, but it is very promising. So it fits into the category of, this is a company with an incredible business model, but so much depends on product market fit. Right. And it's early, right? Uh, usually as an investor, we get involved in the series B. That's because the top investor came in in the series A. In this case, Bessemer's led a, a seed round. And so we may just let this one churn a little bit and we'll watch it. And, you know, if they really start emerging as the leader at some reasonable scale, then we'll consider an investment. But prior to that, it's, it's something that we're going to watch carefully because if they, if it turns out their product market fit is good or better than seven, then boy, we're going to be pretty excited about this. Yeah. And even though it's still early, it's the kind of company that we reach out to and develop a relationship with the CEO of. And the reason we do that is we really like to get to know the company, be a part of the growth story, and then come in and become an investor. So looking forward to reaching out to the folks over at Chums and learning more about the company. And what's next on our list? Next on our list is another seed round. So this one was led by NFX, which you know stands for kind of stands for Network Effects, and it's also New York. Canaan uh, is in here, and Canaan, you know, I I like the guys at Canaan a lot. They do they do a great job. So uh, you know, certainly a high quality investor syndicate, and but it's a seed deal again. It's early. But this one, there's, they, you know, they, they brag about some real traction and it's a commercial mortgage marketplace. So they do a lot of different things at Lev. But the reason they got investment is that they are syndicating commercial properties. So they want to be the sort of the one stop shop where when you want to sell your building, they will put together lenders to uh, help you help someone buy it or they'll put together a syndicate of, of investors that will buy the company outright. And when you buy to buy a company, they can help you again, put the lenders together. So they, uh, they, they're sort of an investment bank, but they're really a platform. And so that they'll help with the transaction and make sure the transaction is smooth, but it's the platform that allows the buyers and sellers to meet and transact. So because it's, it's got that technology underpinning and it scales, we can take a look at it. Uh, it's is it is it a winner take most? Like let's let's score it. So it, is it really winner take most, Chris? Like how, how do you how do you think about that? 
Well, remember, I think that people may have heard me talk before about how we evaluated two-sided marketplaces, and this is very much a marketplace, and why it is that you could tell that Airbnb would do better than Uber, and why you could tell that Uber would do better than a lime or a bird. And the reason is that the winner-take-most elements of the marketplace, the network effects involved, depend on a couple of factors. The first is the value of the transaction. So how valuable is each individual transaction? The second is the level of consideration that goes into some transaction. In other words, with Airbnb, you look carefully at a set of different properties and you choose one. With Uber, you push a button and someone picks you up. With Bird or Lime, you just see a bike on the street. And the third is to what extent is there differentiation? With Airbnb, every property is different. With Uber, there are various drivers with different kinds of cars. With Bird or Lime, it's the same damn thing every time. So if we think about something like Lev and commercial mortgages, well, first of all, enormously valuable transaction. These are multi-million dollar mortgages. There's a lot of money involved. These are high consideration transactions, because if you're going to lend to one of these properties, you consider not just something like, well, how many square feet is it, but its location, how well maintained it is, its history of renting, and so on and so forth. So it's a very high consideration transaction. And finally, it's incredibly differentiated. Every business is different, and 2,000 square foot offices even if they're located in the same neighborhood, could be completely different depending on the circumstances. So all the ingredients are there for there to be strong network effects associated with the two-sided marketplace, and therefore we give it a 10 out of 10 for winner-take-most. Yes, and, and well-deserved. Okay, so is there viral growth here? And, you know, because we gave it a nine, so we say there is, but it's not sort of immediately obvious why that's true. Well, if you think about virality, it's a question of as you add people to the marketplace on either side, do you attract more? And this is the classic two-sided marketplace dynamic. The more mortgage lenders or investors you attract to the platform, the more appealing it is for the person who is going to be taking out the mortgage to go to the platform. The more potential mortgages and, and investment opportunities there are on the platform, the more appealing it is to those investors. So even though it doesn't have the, the sort of one-sided network effect of a Facebook where you just want to get on in order to communicate with everyone else, you do have these two-sided marketplace effects that kick in because each side attracts the other. Yeah, and this is not that big a world. And they talk. It's, it's an industry that talks. And so I, I think, you know, while it's not, you know, when we think about virality, it's that just by using the product, other people become aware of it. And that's not quite true here. So they don't get full credit, but this is such a small community and the, um, <clears throat> they, they just communicate a lot, you know, so that they're, they're always talking to each other, the brokers know everybody and, and everybody knows the same brokers and small community, highly, highly vocal and they're gonna, they're, it, it, once you become the leading platform, you're gonna stay that way. So we think it's, it's, uh, it's viral and it's winner take most. They get a, almost full credit there on those two very important elements. That's uh, almost 60% of the score right there. So doing well so far. Product market fit, you know, we gave it a nine. We don't know, like, but based on the transactions that they're claiming, and I've forgotten the specific number, but it was up in the hundreds of millions of dollars that they've already done in value. So I think they're, 
it's a seed round, but it's a $10 million seed round. It's not a tiny little seed round. This is like a serious seed round that they did. I think that's because there's some serious traction here. And so we're giving them benefit of the doubt on product market fit. We'll have to contact the company and, and really understand how well they're retaining customers, et cetera, to, to know if that nine is deserved. But for now, it's a provisional nine. And they do uh, have a lot of testimonials on their website from people saying how this process was so much faster and easier than doing it the traditional way. And I think that we can give credence to that because, again, we know that the traditional way of doing this is a very manual and painful and tedious process. And it certainly seems like they make it better. Uh, the, re the commercial real estate industry is be being dragged, kicking and screaming from the dark ages by technology. They're one of the last ones to make it. Uh, we're looking at a a company, uh, a different company that's in the moving space that we're not going to talk about this month. But, um, you know, I think like people, the moving business uh, is is certainly a, kind of a, a business that has yet to be uh, affected by technology much. But I, I think commercial real estate is, you know, we've seen a few plays that have done well in commercial real estate. There's a lot of investment capital going in because this market is like a trillion dollar market. It's an enormous market. So it's it's worth automating. And there's tons of inefficiency. So this is just another example of that inefficiency being addressed. And this market opportunity is enormous. So we did give it a 10 out of 10 in market size. Uh, gross margin, you know, it's only a seven because even though the process that they've uh, that they're overseeing is highly automated, you still need people. So there there are people involved in every transaction here. And so those people are actually expert at what they do. They're going to be expensive and that's going to affect your gross margins. There's the, and of course that also affects scalability because you're gonna to have to hire people who are, you know, able to do these transactions and they have to, it's a specialized skill set. So, uh, you know, they get a, a seven in gross margin and then a, a five in organizational scalability. Operationally, they're fine. We give them a 10. And that leads us to an 85. So that's a strong score. That's well above 80. And so we're definitely interested in this business and we're, we're coming, becoming aware of it at a good time. It's just the seed round. And so I think, yeah, we'll be reaching out to this one. Excellent. All right. So coming up, we have something interesting, which is we have a cluster of three different companies that are in a very specific general field, which is the field of collectibles. Now, when you think about collectibles, remember what we just talked about in terms of two-sided marketplaces. We're looking for transactions that are valuable, high consideration, and where things are highly differentiated. And collectibles fit that pretty well. They are things which often are more expensive than you'd expect. They are things where people put a lot of thought into them. There's a lot of emotion that goes into people buying collectibles. And then the fact is that there's a lot of differentiation. I mean, I'm not an expert on collectibles. and I don't know why this mint version is better than this slightly gently used version or why the one with flocking is better than the one without flocking. But suffice to say, there is tremendous differentiation as well. And so all these things lend themselves to building a powerful marketplace with network effects. And the big question is, what is the angle you take on it? So the three companies that we have that are all taking slightly different angles on collectibles are Alt, OpenSea, and Whatnot. So let's talk about Alt and OpenSea because both of them are Andreessen Horowitz investments, although Alt is based in San Francisco and OpenSea is based in New York. Well, before we do that, can, can like, 
the, the thing I struggle with here is, and then I'm always told that I just don't understand, mm-hmm. is the market size for all of these companies. Yes. Like, because my gut is that, you know, collectibles are just people that like don't shower, that that sort of meet in a gymnasium somewhere uh, three or four times a year and have tables of junk, you know, and, 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 and of course you hear occasionally about the baseball card that sold for a million dollars. But like for the most part, this seems super fringe and kind of not but then on the other hand there's ebay but ebay is really a garage sale it's not about collectibles yes there's collectibles trade on there but uh it just i i i i struggle getting a handle on this marketplace and believing that it's that big well this is one of those things that we have to overcome as investors which is the desire to use our own experience as the sole lens through which we view companies because you and I are not collectors. We don't collect a lot of things. And I'm sure your description of the unshowered people gathering to look at these things absolutely makes sense. But I want to remind you of some of the companies that we discussed in the past. We didn't cover them in the podcast because this occurred before we started podcasting. But we talked about marketplaces for sneakers, like Goat, for example. And yeah. at the time you said, I can't believe that there's that much money involved in these things. I said, Scott, you don't understand how big this culture is. You're not a part of it. I'm not a part of it. But rest assured, there is a lot of money going on. And I think that the same is absolutely true of collectibles as well. When we look at collectibles and we think about how much money people are spending on things, I mean, you may not realize just how enormous a market Pokemon is. Did you know that Pokemon is the world's most valuable franchise. There's more Pokemon merchandise that's moved than Mickey Mouse merchandise, than Disney merchandise. Pokemon is enormous and it's built on top of the core collectible dynamic. Yeah. So I, I, I just, you're right. And as an investor, you just have to sort of take your personal experience and check it at the door and then look at the numbers. And the numbers say that this is an unbounded market. It's just enormous. So let's just take that as, as gospel and move on and talk about these companies addressing this enormous market. And so you wanted to talk about first about uh, which, which two, Chris? So I want to talk first about Alt. So Alt is a deal that focuses on letting people buy, sell, and store sports cards. Now, this is the one that's the most classic when it comes to collectibles. So sports because... cards with a D. Card, like, cards, like trading, yes, cards with card. a D. Not sports like cards. <laughs> pops and, and the like, right? Oh, and you by know. the way, it's uh, only, all, if you're trying to look this up online, it's onlyalt.com. And, you know, it's sort of an unusual URL, so I thought I'd better mention that. Only onlyalt.com. And first round did it, and it's it's a series A, but it's also a series seed. Uh, they combined them. I think there was probably some convertible net or safe or something that was in there, but it's 31 million that was raised over time. And uh, this, you know, so this was announced in March and they're a San Francisco business. Yep. And so what Alt does is it combines two things. It combines the sort of classic marketplace dynamics as well as just making it easier to deal with sports cards. I mean, if you think about sports cards, classically what you think of are those plastic sheets in which you store the cards, right? You you have a, a notebook and, and a binder and you have all these sheets and it. it's like, that's crazy, right? How do you track all these cards? Well, 
Alt tracks all the cards and then also makes it easy for you to buy and sell them. So it's tracking things like the value of your portfolio. What are all my cards worth? Instead of having to go and go to a show and look up all these values in a book or something like that, Alt just tells you every single day, here's how much your collection is worth. So what it does by doing so is it overcomes one of those classic issues around marketplaces, which is the cold start problem. How do you get people to start adopting it before everyone else does? Well, if you adopt it, you know what your collection is actually worth, and it's keeping track on a daily basis of what's actually going on. And that gives you a single player mode that attracts people in, and then it appears to have gotten a lot of traction as well. So with alt, we give it a strong winner take most and a strong viral growth or distribution, perfect 10 in each, because the reason is people who are holding things on alt are then going to go ahead and, and spread the word about what they hold. They want it, they're proud of what they hold. They're displaying it on social media. They're bragging about what they have. And now the things are, where they're not still perfect, they're still emerging, because remember, this is a seed slash series A, product market fit. Product market fit, we gave them an eight, not a full 10, because again, you, you still at the end of the day have to get these sports cards into the platform. You have to figure out how it works and you still have to store these cards yourself and figure out how to do it. Uh, market size, again, sports cards are big, but you know, they really need to expand into other adjacent categories of collectibles to really get up to a nine or a 10 in market size. We gave them an eight. Gross margins are really strong. This is a marketplace, but because there's a physical product which is involved and because you know there's a lot of, of, of work involved in moving these things around, we gave them a gross margin of eight instead of a nine or a 10. And similarly for org scalability and op scalability, again, we're helping people store cards. That takes work, that takes effort. So not perfect, but because they start off with this really strong marketplace dynamic, alt still gets an 85 which is well in the blitz scalable range. Yeah, when you get tens on both winner take most and viral growth, then you're gonna have a pretty strong score unless you just are addressing a tiny market or something. Okay, so uh, next we were gonna do OpenSea, I think. Yes, so let's talk about OpenSea. Everyone has been hearing about crypto collectibles and NFTs or non-fungible tokens. These are essentially digital collectibles. And digital collectibles are amazing on different levels. The first is, you know, a lot of people, I think, Scott, you and I are old fashioned kinds of guys. We're like, wait a minute, what is this? Why are people paying money for things that don't actually exist in the real world? And right. yet, so this is taking the whole sort of collectibles market and making it virtual too. So it's like, okay, first you want me to believe that the physical collectibles market is actually huge. It's like, okay, I believe it, I see the numbers. Now, we're into the virtual collectibles market. And that's just emerging. Like that's that's not that big yet. But there are people who believe it's gonna be as big as all virtual goods, you know, like enormous. And virtual goods is a huge market. So there's there's reason to believe that's true, but it's also, you know, it's a little difficult to get your brain around and what do you really own? And there's there's nothing that you can touch and look at and hold. Like yeah. people that collect things, they like to put them up on their shelves. And there's that's not what you're doing here. So there's a there's a whole nother segment of the world that's like, okay, it, it, it'd be nice if this came true, but we don't believe it. So we think the market's gonna be pretty niche. So that's, that's the challenge here. Oh, and I wanted to mention it's opensea.io if you wanna look them up. And it's an Andreessen deal. So Andreessen Horowitz led and the raise was 23 million in a series A. 
and another New York, New York business. Yeah. So when we think about OpenSea and we start to score it, you know, the fact that we're scoring something that is crypto and NFT gives it a sort of binary approach to the score. So we're going to tell you what we gave the score, but then we're going to talk about some of the nuances. So in terms of winner take most and viral growth of distribution, this is a classic marketplace. It's really strong on winner take most. OpenSea is the emerging leader at scale for crypto and NFT marketplace activity. So definitely is a, a leader, very exciting there. Viral growth of distribution, you know, it's pretty good. We didn't give it quite as high a score as something like Alt because it doesn't have the same element of, hey, this is what I use to show off as well. But still very good because, again, if you want to buy or sell, this is the place you're going to be attracted to. Eight, we gave that an 8 out of 10. Product market fit is really good. And the reason is, if you think about it, the purely online nature of things makes it very easy to build a product that really meets the needs of the users. So you don't have all these logistics, and that'll also help out with the org scalability later on and the op scalability later on. Well, and they're the leader. So and they're like, the leader. You know, that's that sort of speaks for itself in product market fit. So we gave them a nine out of 10. So again, that's a 10, an eight, and a nine. For market size, this is the big controversy. So for gross margin and scalability, we gave it 10 out of 10 because it's a purely virtual business. The market size, we ended up giving them an eight, but it's not really an eight. Why don't you explain that, Scott? Well, we 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 cheated. We we said, well, it's either a six or a ten. If it's a if it's if it doesn't really come true that this market's enormous, it's still going to be an important business. So that's a six. But if it really comes true that that the NFT universe explodes and everybody in the world must have an NFT and everybody collects them and trades them all the time and it becomes a real thing, that's a ten. That's going to be a huge market. And so, you know, it's sort of an average of, of, the, of the disappointing market and the optimistic market. So it's an average of six and 10 is eight, if you do the math. And that's where we ended up with an eight. So the final score is an 82, but if it ends up as a six, then it's below 80 and it's not really something we'd want to invest in. And if it ends up as a 10, then it's well above 80, uh, even further above 82. So. That's, you know, that's something we definitely want to be a part of. And I just, I, I, I don't know what the fight was for the winning this deal that Andreessen had to fight, but NFTs became really hot, really fast. And everybody probably wanted in on this thing. And so I, there's probably an interesting story there somewhere that maybe we can tell someday. Yeah, this will be a deal that'll be difficult to get into. And again, we've still got some uncertainty there, but something that we are going to be watching closely. We've continued to watch the NFT space very closely over the past several months and are fascinated to see where it goes from here. So the final company we want to talk about today is Whatnot. And Whatnot is another Andreessen Horowitz deal. But unlike OpenSea, it's not focused on NFTs and crypto collectibles. It's focused on traditional physical goods. In fact, it's focused on verified products, making sure that the authenticity is certified, which is a little harder to do in the real world than it is with something like an NFT where it's built into the system itself, but still a very interesting business. And the real uh, differentiator for whatnot in comparison to just a traditional marketplace like eBay is it's an integrated live stream platform. So it is effectively creating a mini home shopping network slash QVC slash live video bidding experience uh, 
for anybody who's buying and selling these verified collectibles. Right. So it's sort of a home shopping network meets the real real. If you know the real real, that's where they sell uh, like eBay, they sell uh, branded uh, fashion bags. Right. And you want to make sure you're not getting a knockoff if you're going to spend a thousand dollars on a bag. And so the real real solved that problem by actually getting the bag themselves, verifying it that it's an actual one and not a knockoff. And then they're able to get the good pricing. And that became a public company. That's actually a, a very successful business. And so this is kind of like that, but instead of bags, they're selling collectibles and they're doing it live in a live auction. Yes, it was funny because when we were looking at that, I was telling Scott, oh, it looks like they sell a lot of these Funko Pops. And Scott's like, what's a Funko Pop? All right, all right. Yeah, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I, I so for, the, for, the, for those who are listening who don't know what a Funko Pop is, Funko is a company that makes these little dolls and figurines that have these really big eyes. So they're very sort of cute anime style almost in a certain sense. And they make Funko Pops for everything from Marvel superheroes to late night talk show hosts like Conan O'Brien to athletes and so on and so forth. If you remember the sort of uh, the bobbleheads of yore or the ducks of yore, this is a very similar sort of thing, except they've been popular now for years and years and seem to have become a part of the landscape. So anyways, what not makes it possible for you to sell all these things on a live stream platform. One of the beauties of a live stream platform is you really have this behavior on eBay and any auction platform where there's a live auction where people behave in a somewhat irrational way as the auction starts coming to an end. Now, when you have that engagement of the live stream and you as the person who's selling it is able to really build your brand, build an audience, uh, create that emotional frenzy, that's really exciting. So that's why we think it's very interesting. And when we scored it, again, two-sided marketplace, collectibles, high consideration, high value, highly differentiated. So we gave it a 10 out of 10 for winner take most. The viral growth of distribution, if you look at things like Twitch or other live video solutions, you know, there's a lot of virality. People push their own streams. People are able to create their own storefront in almost some sense. So we gave that a 9 out of 10. That's very strong as well. Product market fit, 8 out of 10. Again, provisional. We'll have to go in and, and understand what some of these auctions look like. We haven't had a chance to really download the product yet, but they definitely seem to have traction. They get a lot of selection out there, so we like that. Market size, very large. Uh, it is broader than just sports cards. It's just about any sort of collectible, but especially a focus on these things like Funko Pops, which are really mainstream now. So we gave that a 9 out of 10. Gross margins, because it's a marketplace. We ding them a little bit. Normally we give a marketplace a 10 out of 10, but there is the whole matter of verifying the products and making sure that these are the real thing. So we- Sure, that's gonna cost a little bit of down. money. Yeah, it's gonna cost a little bit of money. And, uh, you know, it's it, it talk about the challenges of live for a minute because eBay, yes. you know, it's very asynchronous and you can just pop on any time and search for what you need and, and you want. And then you can sort of set your auction parameters and forget and then just let the auction play out. You don't have to be there. And in live, you kind of have to be there to bid. And so getting that audience to show up, well, anyway, it's, what do you Well, think? you have to, not only, you know, again, with eBay even, you have to be there to bid if you want to be bidding live. I mean, you can set up these bots to automatically bid up to a certain price, and that could certainly be a part of it. But more importantly, you have to be there live to sell, right? If you're the seller and you're live streaming, it's a commitment. 
So yeah, how are you going to get enough people to show up? Like, let's say your slot, is, I don't know, maybe you can pick any slot you want. Well, presumably how are you gonna every, get enough people to show up. Well, everyone who has been bidding all along, you know, they get notified when the auction is coming to a close. I mean, this happens on eBay. Surely you've experienced this yourself on eBay. And if it's something you really want, you might turn up to show up in person. Now, this is something where it really is about the sellers creating a brand around themselves. I mean, the funny thing about Home Shopping Network or QVC is it's not just a, a, a means of selling and buying goods, right? It's not like H, a QVC or Home Shopping Network, that's the only place you can obtain those goods. It's shopping as entertainment. It's people becoming great pitch masters. And so mm -hmm. there is an element to that as well, the showmanship and the ability to build a brand around your store your ability to sell these things? Well, I think there's a lot of entertainment value to live. And so people who are interested in a particular kind of collectible, they're going to they're gonna communicate that interest to the platform. When something shows up that is uh, matches their interest, they're going to get notified and they're going to show up at that auction and it's going to be fun viewing and they're going to watch the, I, I, I think there's a real entertainment value to this for people who are deeply into whatever they're collecting. And so I, I, I really like it. I think that, you know, if that's all true, then the product market fit could be really good here. Absolutely. And, you know, my own experience with live is, of course, it's hard to get off the ground, but it tends to reinforce the position of leadership because live makes liquidity more challenging, which means that the winner is even more privileged if they're the one who is the, the leader at scale. That's exactly right. Okay. So final score, they get tens on gross margin and scalability. Um, no, no, they have a nine oh, no, 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 on no, gross sorry. margin. No, no, no. <laughs> looking right. at the wrong line. No, I'm looking at the wrong one. So gross margin is a nine. Scalability is an eight because, you know, if you're going to have to verify, then you have to have like people that can do that. And so, you know, it makes it a little less scalable um, on the organizational side because of the people you'll have to hire, but operationally it's, you know, it's just an auction. That's pretty well understood technology. Well, you know, live streaming does take some effort. Maybe we should bump that down to a nine. I think it's still going to qualify as a yeah, scaling company. Let's do that. Let's will. bump it. Let's make it a nine instead. Make it a nine. All right. And that so, just takes it down to an 84. Or which is a great score. So down to an 84 is still a great score. So, oh, and I didn't mention, so $20 million round, Andreessen led series A companies in California. Southern California, Marina Del Rey, for those of you who are familiar with SoCal. SoCal. Uh, good. All right. So in 84. So, you know, we've got a bunch of good ones this this week, um, you know, and, and interesting that three collectible companies showed up on our screen all at once. I think that has something to do with the NFT craze kicking in, but two of them are not NFT deals. So I think it's just sort of coincidence that that, that all came together this month and kind of fun. Yeah. And again, as we as you mentioned at the very beginning of this broadcast, over 140 deals this month, over 140 deals last month, we're seeing this incredible pickup activity among the top venture firms. It'll be very interesting to see when we do the report for April deals, if that activity continues. I got to tell you, from what we can tell from being out in the marketplace and talking with entrepreneurs and chasing down deals, I think that this high volume is going to continue. Yeah, it just feels that way. It feels like a, a market that has a ton of energy and that's because there's a ton of opportunity out there. We're, we're in the midst of a renaissance here and it's really fun to be part of it. Awesome. Well, Scott, thank you for joining me for this month's look at Blitz Scalable Venture Deals. Again, this was for deals announced in March of 2021. And I'll look forward to you, to joining, me, uh, you joining me next month to look at April deals.